0: I think when people say that they're too busy to meditate, I think that that's just a cover for, I don't want to feel my feelings. I'm terrified to actually go in and excavate this stuff that I've been avoiding or floating on top of or denying for so long
1: hi i 'm Mission Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the School for human transformation you 're listening to the Mind Valley podcast where we 'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world 's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work
0: Oftentimes when we start a meditation practice, our bodies and our minds are getting deep rest. The type of meditation that I teach at Ziva is giving your body rest that 's five times deeper than sleep. And so when we're falling into that rest, our brain is entering a verifiable fourth state of consciousness. It's different than waking, different than sleeping, different than dreaming. And in that state, our muscle tone actually softens. And so it feels very much like we are falling into sleep. But the way I like to think of it is that when you fall into meditation, it's like you're walking through the same doorway to get through a different room. So in sleep, you're walking through the same doorway, like the meditation doorway, but you fall into sleep. Whereas when you're meditating, ideally back-supported, head-free, yes, you do go through this sort of 30-second window, but then you fall into the meditation, not into sleep. So basically, I just want to let you off the hook. I mean, if you are feeling guilty for sleeping during meditation, chances are you're actually meditating. It's just a lot lazier and sleepier than you might have been taught. You might have guessed by now that I'm not a monk. Shocker, I know, but I don't teach monastic meditation. I teach meditation for people like us, people with busy lives and busy minds. So you don't have to have a rex spine, fancy fingers, you don't have to focus or be disciplined. But that is a talk for another day. What I want to talk about is this idea of why meditation alone is not enough. Now, I would say that it's imperative. It needs to be a foundational element of your mental hygiene, of your daily routine. Because stress is so rampant just on a normal basis, but certainly in this time of a global pandemic, of a social revolution, stress is higher than usual. We are being asked to adapt as a species faster and faster. And so I'm not saying that we don't need to be meditating. I'm just saying that meditation alone is not enough. And I'm saying this because for the first six years of my career, I taught just meditation. And I started realizing that more people were quitting than I would have liked. More people were having resistance than I would have liked. More people were going on the once a day train instead of the twice a day train than I would have liked. And so I started asking deeper questions and I realized that at the core of what was really keeping people committed and what was really helping people to advance into higher states of consciousness was two simple things. One, this idea that they were too busy, that they didn't have enough time, but also that they were afraid to feel their feelings. And I think that when you start a meditation practice as powerful as Ziba, it it rings you out, it detoxifies not only your mind, but also your body. It's releasing a lifetime of trauma and stress. And even sometimes people are hypothesizing inherited trauma and stress. And so interestingly, I think when people say that they're too busy to meditate, I think that that's just a cover for, I don't want to feel my feelings I'm terrified to actually go in and excavate this stuff that I've been avoiding or floating on top of or denying for so long. And this is really why I created the Ziva Technique. So the Ziva Technique is a trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And the mindfulness is likely what you've heard of when you think of meditation. It's what most of the apps are, most of the guided visualizations, most of the YouTube videos, the drop-in studios are teaching what I would call mindfulness. Now, the meditation portion of Ziva is all about surrender. It's all about letting go. It's all about deep rest. And the reason why that's important to today's conversation is that when you give your body the deep rest, you're not only healing the stress from today, you're not only healing the stress from your present, which is what mindfulness is very good at, you're healing all the stress from your past. And so yes, that's going to give you an increase in performance capabilities. Yes, that's going to make you better at life, but it's also going to help you to heal that old trauma that I'm talking about. Now, why does that matter for today's talk? It really has to do with the third M, right? So the third M of Ziva is manifesting. And you've likely heard this word before. this is Mine Valley University. After all, here's my definition of manifesting. It's consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And in this day and age, at this fascinating time in history, I'm going to pull that one step higher. I'm going to pull that lens out a little bit broader and say, it's not only about you creating a life that you love for yourself. It's about you creating a world that you would love to live in. And that means for all of us. Okay. And I think that It's very hard to go from you being in a state of victimhood, of you living a life of suffering, to go right into, I'm going to change the world. Right? There's a step that has to happen in between those two places. And that is architecting a life that you love. Now, a lot of us, when we think of manifesting, we think it's just, you know, vision boards and wishful thinking and writing down our dream lists and Palo Santo. And all that stuff is great, but there is some dark shadow work that needs to happen in order to really manifest. Because here's the trick. We don't get what we want in life. We get what we believe we deserve. And I'll say that again. We don't get what we want in life. We get what we believe we deserve. And this is why the combination of meditation and manifesting is so much more powerful than either one alone. Okay. Now I was exclusively practicing meditation and exclusively teaching meditation for almost six years of my career. And then I started making these realizations, right? That people, the same reason why people thought they were too busy to meditate, which is really the fear of feeling these feelings, the feeling of cleaning house and looking at their inherited trauma is the exact same thing. That's capping our ability to manifest. Those limiting beliefs that inherited cellular trauma, that inherited behavior traits that we've gotten from our parents, maybe even our grandparents, this is sort of invisibly capping what we believe we deserve. And so if you're getting your buns to the chair every day, ideally twice a day, this is imperative, but it's not enough. So let's talk about why the combination of meditation and manifesting is so much more powerful than either one alone. So as I was saying, I used to teach and practice meditation alone, and that's awesome. But you could meditate all day, and if you're not clear about what it is that you want, it's very hard for nature to give you the thing, right? Like if you go into a restaurant and you never place it, remember restaurants? Um, But if you go into a restaurant and you never place an order, it's very hard for the waitress to bring you a meal. You're just like, oh, I just want some food. She's like, great, what do you want? Food, right? So we have to be specific. But there's another step to that. Yes, we have to place the order, but then we have to believe that we deserve our desires. And so when I teach manifesting now, the biggest issue that comes up for folks is that they say, Emily, I don't know what I want. And to that, I call BS. You know what you want. We all know what we want. Somewhere deep inside of us, we know there is an inner knowing. Most of us are terrified to admit it. Most of us are terrified of failure. Most of us are so scared to write it down, to even admit it to ourselves because once we do that, then we have to be accountable to the dream. And then the illusion is, the story is that it will hurt worse if I fail, if I've actually stated the dream. But y'all, Nothing hurts worse than unrealized potential. Nothing hurts worse than regret. Nothing hurts worse than realizing that you never even took your shot. It's much more satisfying to take your shot 100%, leave it all on the stage and fail, whatever failing means, if you even believe in failure. But that would be much more satisfying than never stepping up to that, never taking the shot. And so what I've found is that if you're getting your buns to the chair every day, especially twice a day, you're going to start increasing your state of consciousness very quickly because you are eradicating the backlog of stresses that we all have stored in our cellular memory. And now we even know in our epigenetic memory, which is what we've inherited for at least one, possibly seven generations. Now, this is going to change with something that I call deserving power right? So your deserving power is what you believe you deserve. Now let's flip this. So I said, you know, meditating all day, but if you're not clear about what you want, which is the manifesting piece, then it's hard for nature to give you the thing. But conversely, you could be manifesting all day, lining your walls with vision boards, watching the secret on repeat. But if you are not meditating and your nervous system is riddled with stress, then chances are that you don't believe that you deserve your desires. Right, because we're constantly in fight or flight, we're constantly in survival mode. And when we're in survival mode, then something called the reticular activating system, which likely Jim Quick is gonna talk about, the reticular activating system, or the RAS, This is a filtration system in our brain. And if we spend our whole lives in chronic fight or flight constantly looking for the tiger that might be about to kill us, constantly looking for the worst-case scenario, then this reticular activating system, this filtration device on our brain, is only looking for what's going to hurt me, how could I be deceived, when is the next shoe going to drop, And it's very hard to manifest your dreams if you've got a lot of wasted cycles thinking about worst case scenario. And so this requires discipline, requires daily practice. And what I found is that doing the manifesting right after the meditation, this is where the magic happens. Okay, because in the meditation, you're de-exciting your nervous system, you are giving your body this rest that I was talking about that's five times deeper than sleep, the right and left hemispheres of your brain are starting to function in unison, your individuality is starting to remind itself that it is actually totality, the wave is remembering that it is the ocean, right? And then if you start to manifest, you start to imagine your dreams from this de-excited space, two things happen. One, you're able to hear your own intuition. You're able to even detect what your divinely inspired desires are to begin with. And as you start to take action on those, you start to get nature's support. What does nature's support mean? Serendipity, the coincidences, you think about someone and they call, you run into a friend on the street. So... I'll take a bit of a detour here and share a concept that I think is fascinating. According to the Vedas, which is this beautiful ancient body of knowledge, this beautiful body of knowledge that gives us yoga and acupuncture and feng shui and Ayurvedic medicine, according to the Vedas, there's only one thing and we are all it. And that one thing is consciousness. Okay. And so the analogy that we use is that we are all these different waves on this giant ocean of consciousness. And what most of us have access to is just our wave mentality, our left brain, small self ego mentality. And so again, if all you're doing is manifesting from that left brain wave spot, then it's like, I want a million dollars. I want a million dollars. I want a million dollars. And yet that intention has to go from like wave wave to wave to wave to wave to get any support. What we do when we start meditating and then moving into manifesting is that we de-excite the nervous system. We use these tools to settle down, to remind that individuality that it is totality, to remind that wave that it is the ocean. And then from here, right after the meditation, this is where we start the manifesting. We start to ask this very simple but very powerful question, what would I love right now? What would I love right now? And y'all, that might sound simple because it is, but it is profound. Okay, now notice I didn't say, what do I want? Notice I did not say, what do I need? I said, what would I love? Right, Mary Morrissey says, when we ask, what would I love? It puts you into spirit. It puts you into possibility. And what would I love right now puts you into present moment. Not what did I major in in college? Not what do I want to post about on Instagram? Not what's going to make my parents happy? Not what I'd be proud to tell my partner, what would I love right now? And to do it from this de-excited space, you're able to hear how nature is communicating to you, how nature would like to use you, your gifts as a vessel to deliver to the world, not where you need to go to fill yourself up. Okay, now this is another common pitfall with manifesting is that a lot of us are thinking, well, I need to manifest a partner and then I will be happy. I need to manifest a million dollars and then I will feel abundant. I need to manifest losing 10 pounds and then I will feel worthy of love. No, 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 no. Your love is right here inside of you. Your abundance is everywhere our happiness is always found inside of us. And again, the meditation is the thing that reminds us of that. The meditation is the thing that allows us to access our fulfillment internally. And when we start to create a daily practice of that, then to ask the question, what would I love right now? This starts to become our map, our GPS, our global positioning system, right? Nature indicating where it wants to use us to deliver our gifts. And so this leads me back to the whole point of this talk. So in this talk, I promised... Is your meditation practice making you a better person? Is your practice giving you the resilience to honestly examine your life, to stop lying to yourself and to others? Is your practice making you a better citizen, a better partner, a better family member? Yes, we must be meditating, but not using meditation as a pain pill or as a way to spiritually bypass the brave and sometimes painful work of waking up. Because y'all, I don't need to tell you that the world needs us right now. If you're on this call, you've signed up for Mayan Valley University, you've already been investing in meditation, you're already interested in up-leveling your state of consciousness, all of this is great, selfishly, for us. It's going to, yes, make our lives better. But we cannot stop there. We cannot stop there. It is a privilege to have access to this information. It is a privilege to have your needs met, to be able to eat, to be able to feel safe, to be able to sleep, to have the time to practice these gifts. And so, yes, selfishly, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to architect our own lives first, but we can't stop there. We then have to pull the lens back and say, where can I best be of service? How can my gifts, my tools, these gifts that I've been receiving and honing from nature, how can I use these to make a more enjoyable world to live in? Right? And I know that you're all already doing this because you're here, but I just want to remind us, how can I be of service? This is really the path to creating happiness, not only for ourselves, but for the whole world. Okay, let me check in here, see what else I want to share, and I'm going to end with an exercise. I would like for us to do two exercises actually together today.
1: If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider joining Mind Valley All Access. Now you can sign up to Mind Valley All Access and unlock every Mind Valley program. Instantly, get access to transformation from all of the world's best minds in everything from parenting to biohacking to mind, body, spirit, entrepreneurship, work productivity. Learn from the likes of Ben Greenfield, Jim Quick, Shafali Sabari, Stephen Kotler, and more, all available to you for less than $2 a day. Simply visit mindvalley.com forward slash now. That's mindvalley.com Forward slash N-O-W. And you'll be surprised to see that Mindvalley All Access now comes with advanced technologies to completely transform your learning, your networks, and your human connections, including our new private social network for students, Connections by Mindvalley, and our altered state inducement app, Ombana, which complements our regular training with altered state methodologies to transform you at a subconscious level. Check it all out on mindvalley.com forward slash n o w mindvalley.com forward slash now.
0: First, I want to define resilience. So this is actually news to me as I was preparing for this talk. So resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. How amazing is that? How much do we need that right now? It seems like every day there's a new difficulty. Oh, you thought life was this way? Guess what? It's this whole new way, right? So the more resilient we are, the more quickly we can recover from difficulties. Another way of saying this is adaptation energy. And this is another beautiful way that meditation helps us is because it's allowing us to be more adaptive. There's a beautiful analogy that helps to describe adaptation energy. So let's imagine like an 89-year-old native New Yorker, just very stressed out older man, and his nervous system is just like hardened and brittle. Let's imagine his nervous system is like a piece of slate. Okay? And let's say he starts meditating, and he starts becoming more adaptive, and his nervous system softens a bit. Well, let's say that if his nervous system was like slate, and he had a stress or a demand, That would be like a crowbar and that crowbar would pull across that slate leaving a gash and it would take months maybe years of wind and rain and erosion to smooth that gash out from that stress from that demand and then he starts meditating he starts softening his nervous system his nervous system becomes like sand let's say he pulls the same crowbar the same stress through the sand and it's going to cut even deeper he's going to feel it even more but within a few hours it's like it was never there After a few years of meditating, his nervous system will become as adaptive as water. Same crowbar, same stress, you pull it through, it cuts the deepest, he's gonna feel it the most. And then instantly, it's like it was never there. Right, so this resilience and this ability to adapt, they go hand in hand. And right now, because the world is changing so quickly, we are being called upon to adapt our dreams. We're being called upon to adapt our manifestations. Right, So what you were manifesting in January, whatever you wrote on your vision board for 2020, likely is irrelevant by July of 2020. That's how much the world has changed. And rather than be rigidly attached to how we think life should show up, rather than be rigidly attached to our goals, under the illusion that our happiness would come on the other side of the attainment of them, we instead adapt we flow, we become resilient. And we do that through this combo practice of meditation and manifesting, of checking in with ourselves and adapting our dreams accordingly, reminding ourselves that we deserve our dreams. Yes, someone's saying here, be the water, my friend. Bruce Lee, be the water. That's right. My friend JJ Virgin, she says, don't wish it were easier, make yourself stronger. Right, it's real easy to bemoan what's happening right now. Why the pandemic, why me, why this, it's not fair. Don't wish it were easier. Make yourself stronger, right? We do that by getting to the chair every day, twice a day. Okay, so I want to do a few exercises with you. So I mentioned earlier that manifesting is not just vision boards and palo santo and rainbows and unicorns that it requires some deep shadow work and we're not going to be able to do a ton of that in this 30-minute talk but i do want to give you a few tools a few questions a few seeds that you can start to explore more on your own and the exercise i want to start with before we move into the manifesting is remembering who put the ideas in your head of what you're worth of what you can accomplish who was the first person who ever told you what you might be when you grow up. Who was the first person who told you, you can't do that, you're a girl. You can't do that, you're black. You can't do that, you're too ugly. You can do that, you're XYZ. I believe in you. You can do anything you want. So you know we want to remember that praise, we want to treat praise and blame like the imposters that they are, but it's important for us to remember when and where those seeds were planted so that we can choose to run whatever script we want up here. So let's take a moment. Let's close our eyes. Just close your eyes. I'm loving all these chats. I'm loving this interactivity. But for a moment, I want you to just take this time for you. So close your eyes. Take a big inhale through the nose. Exhale through your mouth. Really good. Inhaling through your nose. And as you exhale, let your brow soften, let your jaw soften, let your shoulders drop, let your heart open, let your belly go soft, let your legs be heavy in the chair. Really good, breathing into your belly and into your heart. And as you exhale, imagining every single muscle in your body softening, being heavy. So good. And now I invite you to drop your awareness deep inside yourself, almost like you're dropping an anchor from your mind down into the very core of your being right behind your belly button, about two inches below and two inches behind your belly button. That's where we're allowing our awareness to rest right now. You can breathe into this space. Noticing the volume of space inside of your belly. And one more breath, inhale. And as you exhale, we're just gonna practice listening. So I invite you to actually listen for all of the sounds happening in your room. You could even listen for all the voices happening in your head right now. This feels silly. This feels like a waste of time. I'm not sure what I should be doing. And now see if you can detect whatever script is running right now about what you deserve. If I were to ask you how much money you think you deserve to make in a year, how would you answer that question and why? If I ask you how much happiness, how much love you think you deserve in your romantic relationships, how do you answer that question? And why? And be honest here. There's no right or wrong. There's no brave face. I'm not going to ask you to share it. This is not about getting it right or getting it wrong. This is about getting honest with yourself. This is about knowing what the current script is so that we can choose whichever script we want. If I were to ask you how much of an impact you deserve to make on the world, how would you answer that question? Do you think you can touch a thousand lives in your lifetime, a million lives, a billion lives? Not what's possible, but what do you believe that you deserve right here, right now, today? Really good, and now we're gonna wind the clock back Thinking back to college, were there any teachers or friends or partners or boyfriends or girlfriends that planted a seed in your brain of what you could or could not do in the world? People who broke up with you, teachers who failed you from classes, just playing it like a slideshow Just hearing the sentence, remembering the memory. Now moving through high school and middle school and all the way back to elementary school. Believe it or not, this is likely where many of our beliefs about ourselves were formed. Can you remember an elementary school teacher or something that your parents said to you when your identity was just forming, about what they thought you should or should not be when you grow up, what you are or are not capable of. And just noticing what phrases, what truths, what lies are being detected. And now I simply want you to ask the question, is this true? Is any of it true? What if anything you want is possible? What if you get to decide your deserving power? What if you are a wave on the ocean that is consciousness? What if the divinity inside of you is unlimitedly powerful? And to close, we're going to spend just one minute dancing in the question of what would I love right now? And it could be in any area of your life. It doesn't matter. There's no right or wrong way to do this. But to asking your question bravely, honestly of yourself, what would I love right now? And like you're a little kid playing pretend, imagining this reality as if it's unfolding all around you, seeing it, hearing it, and most importantly, feeling this dream as if it's already done, as if it's happening right now. Taking a big inhale, starting to move your hands, move your feet. Bring your awareness into the body and into the room, knowing that this or something better is already on the way to you. And in your own time, whenever you're feeling ready, we can start to slowly, gently open the eyes. (sighs) High five, friends. So I know that was a little quick, but this stuff doesn't take long. It's basically just going in, asking who put those thoughts there, who put those beliefs there, are they true? And then asking yourself, what would I love? What would I love? And then imagining that dream as if it's happening now. And if you do that exercise after you meditate, it'll be even more powerful.